Deadliest Crop by Callista Kareem, written for Reedsy Prompts, Contest 99, read by Mark Wilhelm. The darkness was approaching, cascading over the sky in an ominous wave of a, an ashen midnight blue. The last rays of light held on. Just as Clifford Freeman held on hope, he would make it through one last night. They were growing in size. He bounced his leg as the shotgun remained firmly gripped in his palm. A glimmer of the final light disappeared below the horizon and reflected from the pile of sharp objects sitting before Cliff. He was no fool. He was ready. Everything from his kitchen cleavers to the wood cutting axe had been collected and laid before him in an arsenal ready to take out any army. He had even decided on the gas can and the box of matches, just in case. The newly dew-covered twilight usually brought with it the sounds of nocturnal animals rousing from their slumber. There would be no crickets chirping tonight. Not even the bats would squeak their echolocation. The animals somehow knew not to go near Cliff's farmland any time after dark. He grunted and spat a brown wad of chewed tobacco at the ground, but nothing happened. The longer Cliff sat in his chair in the silence of the night, the more his hair began to stand on end. But it wasn't the chill in the air that caused it to rise. It was them. He could feel them crawling closer to the surface and his breathing involuntarily began to quicken. Come on, Cliff. You've worked hard for this all summer. You, you deserve this. Don't let a bunch of them take you out. You created them, you old fool. He wondered if he'd heard something, but he was too busy pep-talking himself to know. He listened closer still, but I couldn't take the weight. Cliff jumped up out of his chair in anticipation and turned on the first lantern and then picked up his gun, ready for anything. First were the roots. Always the damn roots. They used their spider-like veins that spread underground for moisture and turned them into legs, crawling up and out of the rich soil. The ends of the roots were like a prehensile appendage, surprisingly agile. <sighs> he tensed at the wriggling of their body, moving along the packed earth like an army of slithering snake bodies. Cliff spat at the ground again. This time, the dirt responded. It bubbled and it broiled like a muddy volcano by his boots, spitting rocks and black dirt back at him until it grew still. Then, shooting up from under the ground like a spring, it attached itself to Cliff's face with a set of barbed teeth. He ripped it off, cursing with a wad of skin from his cheek and took a good look at the violent culprit. It was a giant white radish with eye slits of freshly opened red. It snapped its mouth in loud smacks at Cliff in an attempt to find more flesh. 
and it revealed mucky, blood-colored root hairs and cruel, razor-edged teeth. He threw it into the first hole and quickly pushed the dirt mound over it with his shovel, burying the screeching, demonic radish. He heaved a heavy bag of sand over the mound and hoped it would hold for a while. All night if he was lucky. The carrots came at him next in an army of a deep bloodlust orange. The massive growths used their tails to crawl across the dirt in an intense speed, and Cliff felt they wanted to taste him in the moonlight. They sprang at him in a planned formation, and he grabbed hold of the wooden pantry door he'd taken off the hinges from the kitchen. With the extra set of handles he'd screwed into it, the heavy oak door was easily lifted and he ran at them from the side. Cliff yelled a battle cry as he ran at as many of the carrots as he could, barreling them into the dirt pits he had dug in preparation. Their bodies were much larger than a usual carrots, causing the man in the door to jerk back with each thunk of a fibrous mass. He quickly covered the pits before the carrots could escape and heaved the bags of sand on top of the mounds, one by one. In the final pit, a rogue carrot crawled its way back to the top before he could bury it, and Cliff gave its massive root body a push with the heel of his boot. As the carrot fell back, it wrapped its end around Cliff's ankle, caught itself, and then attacked him with the thick green carrot top. It threw the greens around him and spit fine, hairy needles through his pants and into his flesh. <laughs> Cliff cried out as he quickly put on a pair of gloves from his back jeans pocket and he pried the carrot off, the body muscular, like wrestling a python. Once Cliff unraveled it from his leg, he couldn't help but pause to admire the beauty of the carrot as it threw its body around and screamed in his grasp. That one will do nicely, he thought. He grabbed a large cleaver and gave it a good chop to the middle, splitting its coarse body in two. It hollered in a fury at him, and he ignored it, chopping away until it was down to fibrous splinters. That would buy Cliff some time before dealing with the beastly carrot again. It became eerily quiet, as if something else lay dormant, waiting for its moment. Cliff sat back down in his creaky lawn chair. He took a swig of his beer and dreamily thought about the roots he had just done battle with. They were splendid specimens, nothing like he'd seen before, anywhere. They were his beauties. Never in a million years did he think he'd be lucky enough to have found the land for sale. He won it in an auction seven years ago when the house was a dilapidating mess. It took a lot of fixing and most of it he'd left alone, living around its crumbling walls for some time. The repair costs were too much to start, but it came with some acreage and he was excited to use it for growing his crops. Cliff had first been warned by Charlie Radson, the old geezer in town that was always hanging in the bar. Turns out he'd been born in the town of Milton and 
All the rumors and superstitions and stories that came with it were passed down through the generations of his family. That land's cursed, he yelled when Cliff went to town for his farming supplies. My own daddy said nothing of any good can grow there. You best off not even trying. Cliff disregarded Charlie's words as the ramblings of a drunken old fool, but realized quickly that perhaps they weren't ramblings after all, and maybe Charlie wasn't as much of a fool as he had thought. Cliff discovered for himself something wasn't right when he first started farming. First he noticed the way the lightning would hit the land in great powerful successions during a storm, almost as if something attracted it. Then, when he finally planted, it was relatively harmless tomato plants at first. He'd begun to hear the house creak at night, and by the end of the first month, he found the vined plants had worked their way up through his house, through the floorboards at night, and into the bedroom where he slept. It wasn't until they were mature, sagging with bulbous tomatoes that they had tried to first kill him. Cliff remembered that night, waking in a gasping need for air as a vine had wrapped tightly around his throat in his own bed. He was lucky to have a pair of shears laying at the bedside table. What he had thought was the result of a momentary paranoid thought that week had actually saved his life. It was the last time Cliff would sleep through the night. The vine he'd clipped from his throat was from the first plant that he'd collected. The bloodlust that particular one had was very impressive. The tomatoes hanging from it were larger in size and were a darker blood-red color. He kept its seeds for the next season, tightly tucking them away in his old metal chest. He knew those seeds were going to be special. He could feel it. The next season was the first year the vegetables themselves began coming to life at night, taking on human-like characteristics with body parts and noises, and each year Cliff saved the best, the largest, meanest, and strongest for their seeds. Now here he was, face to face with his most fantastic and evil crop yet. As if in a reaction to that very thought, the corn began on cue. The popping sounds of the stalks spitting their cobs from the bottom of the hill broke the silence. It happened all at once. The popping filled the air like 4th of July firecrackers. When that had stopped, the thundering sound of the rolling began. The cobs rolled over the acreage and worked their way up the dirt hill where Cliff sat waiting. The cobs rolled together, forming one big wave of green and yellow, an ocean of loud, creaky husks. When they reached the top of the hill, they created a formation Cliff had never seen. He watched in awestruck horror as the cobs weaved together and formed a towering, menacing flower that looked down at him. The flower head bloomed, unraveling more cobs from its center and created sharp cob-mouthed petals with a husked 
ominous center. It began to open and close its bloom rhythmically an electrified jellyfish with silk that floated in the air from every cob's mouth. The silk tendrils danced to tempt Cliff into touching them, but he knew better. Regardless of how delicate they seemed, he could feel the electricity pull at his own hairs on his head and forearms, buzzing and tickling the skin. Then the flower stopped, its captivating dance, and it dove at him instead. Every cob opened back to reveal a set of small yellow teeth as they chomped at him like a hungry animal looking to devour its next meal. He rolled off to the side just in time, avoiding the bite, but some corn silk swept at him and electrified his body in a jolt of horror. He'd had enough with this thing, as marvelous as it was. It needed to be put down. Cliff grabbed his chainsaw and started it in one swift tug. He waited until it came down in another bite and then sawed right through as many of the cobs as he could get in one slow swing. The corn cob halves dropped to the ground and the flower sagged. He took his chainsaw to the weaved flower stem next, having up all those cobs as well. The cobs were left hobbling and rolling around on the earth as if in agony. Cliff's focus shifted from the cobs as he looked to the bottom of the hill. His biggest concerns were awake now, and they looked for him. He saw their vines coming up over the hill before seeing their bodies. The vines held all their weight as they lifted the enormous jack-o'-lantern pumpkins and carried them over the ground, walking them like legs. Three massive orange bodies rose over the hillside, emanating an orange sun rising from the horizon. Oh, how Cliff wished it were the sun. The first pumpkin vines immediately threw its vast body up in the air and it came crashing down at Cliff in a body slam. It would have crushed him easily as it was almost double his body size except Cliff took a rapid dive off to the side, narrowly avoiding the assault. Another pumpkin came crashing down with its body at Cliff once again and this time he stuck its gourd flesh with the head of his axe. He was able to get a couple of good chops in before one tried rolling its giant mass at him, but it luckily missed and went rolling back down the hill. The one pumpkin had its seedy sludge dripping from where Cliff had opened it with the axe and had now turned into a gaping mouth. It smiled at him in mockery, eerily similar to a carved jack-o'-lantern on Halloween. It laughed, a deep, devilish laugh, and Cliff shivered. He'd never heard one of them laugh. They swept at Cliff's legs with their vines and he went down unexpectedly. Still, the axe in his grip, he began swinging and chopping at the leaves trying to keep them at bay. But because they were thick and had many shoots, the chopping seemed fruitless. He missed dodging a pumpkin's body in time, and it came down, crushing him. 
as he felt his head get slammed by its globe. Then the wetness of blood trickled down his forehead. The body was lifted back up on its vines, preparing for another tackle, and as it came back down, Cliff winced and closed his eyes, unable to move. This was it. The end would be with his pumpkins. Befitting, he thought, as they were his most marvelous plants. But instead of feeling the crushing power he'd expected, a man hollered, enraged. Then Cliff felt the heat of a flame. He opened his eyes and saw a scrawny man's figure hidden beneath a welder's helmet holding a torch turned on full flame. The welder's torch was connected to a couple of canisters strapped to the man's back, and he had an aerosol can he used to blowtorch the pumpkins. They visibly shrank back from the heat until their vines caught fire and the pumpkins scrambled back down the hill while attempting to put out their flames. The scrawny man turned towards Cliff and lifted his welder's helmet to reveal the tired old face of Charlie. I knew you were up to something, he spat angrily at Cliff, revealing some missing teeth. Cliff shook his head in disbelief. It's none of your concern, Charlie. How the hell it ain't? It becomes my concern when I have to swoop in and save your ass. Charlie offered his hand to help him off the ground and Cliff looked back at him, feeling pretty sheepish. He pulled him up to standing and let him catch his breath. No more, Cliff. You gotta promise me. This is it. You'll kill yourself playing with this land cursed by hell. Cliff wiped his brow and scoffed. He was saved from having to answer because the roots had worked their way out of the ground, mending themselves back together, and came at the men with their last round of attacks. They fought the men with every last bit of dark fury. Cliff brandished his shotgun and began to blast them back to splinters as Charlie equipped his welding gun and set them aflame. They fought side by side until finally an orange sphere on the horizon began to glow at the top of the hill. And this time, it wasn't a dreaded pumpkin. The vegetables began to disappear back into the ground, ready for their comatose slumber. Okay, Cliff conceded. I'm done. This is it. Charlie looked at him and raised his flyaway brows, and they both joined together in a sudden relief of laughter. <laughs> but you, you have to admit, they are spectacular specimens I've created, Cliff said with pride. One week later, at the Milton County Festival, a booth was covered with cups and ribbons as Cliff stood proudly with his beautiful crop. His produce was selling for a ridiculous price and people were willing to pay. I've never seen such magnificent carrots, some would say. Others might comment, just look at the size of those tomatoes. But. It was the enormous pumpkins that people really talked about. The biggest he had ever grown was on display, the size of a small shed, now forever docile in the sunlight away from Cliff's land. 
It was his pumpkin seeds everyone wanted. They were going for $5 per seed. Guaranteed to grow. People had heard of Cliff's pumpkins from out of town and made their way to the fair just to get their hands on one of those special seeds, especially after he had announced that this would be his last. Young Travis Baker came from upstate and had traveled all the way to the festival with his granddaddy. He'd heard of Cliff's amazing pumpkins and was determined to get his hands on a seed. He was going to make him and his daddy rich by growing a mass of gigantic pumpkins from the one he'd grown from that seed. He'd saved up a long time for one, but the investment would be well worth it. When he got to the front of the line, he pulled out his clean sock full of coins, ruthlessly dumped out the contents onto the table, and counted out the five dollars for Cliff, beaming with pride. Cliff smiled and handed him the little baggie that held the large pumpkin seed in it, and Travis was immediately satisfied. He began to walk back to find his granddaddy, but he stopped, and he dumped out the seed in his hand to have a good look. The feeling of it in his palm gave him goosebumps. The seed went flying out of his hand almost as if it had jumped. Travis was beside himself. He frantically searched the ground for the lost seed and cursed himself for letting it go. Thankfully, he found it again. By his shoe and he breathed a sigh of relief. He put it back in the little baggie and secured it safely into his jeans pocket. And then he ran to find his granddaddy. Travis knew that seed was going to be special. He could just feel it. Thank you for listening to this scary moment, presenting to you the deadliest crop, written by Callista Kareen. I'm Mark Wilhelm, and this has been your scary moments. <laughs>